The following program is a presentation of Fox Sports Radio Charlotte. The free Fox Sports app, available from Apple or Google Play. And always online at foxsportsradiocharlotte.com. It's time for the Uptown Sports Crowd. Here's Mackie Gallagher with Ben Cole. Good morning, Charlotte, and welcome to this week's edition of the Uptown Sports Crowd. My name is Mackie Gallagher. I am joined by Ben Cole, as always, and a lot of stuff has happened since our last show. We have the Panthers making moves in free agencies. We have upsets across the board so far in the first round of March Madness, which is where we'll start the show for today because it is one of the best sporting spectacles in the country every single year and this one has definitely lived up to the hype. Thank you for tuning in. We are on Fox Sports Radio Charlotte 94.7 FM every single Sunday from 9 to 10 a.m. Ben Cole, how are you feeling this morning in the studio? I'm feeling great. Uh, it's been so exciting just having nonstop basketball um, recently. March Madness, it's a great time. I've been enjoying it. Uh, there's been some highs and lows, but uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm having a good weekend. Yeah, you had a uh, you had a good bracket from the first couple of games, right? Oh, like, I you, was you perfect. Were doing, you were doing amazing. I was perfect. Where, where did through, it go uh, wrong? Okay, uh, so it went wrong. Um, what was it when when the tournament start? Uh, Friday, Thursday night. Mm-hmm. It uh, it went it went bad uh, Thursday night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the pain in your voice. It was it started off so well. Usually, I miss like the first game, like some eight nine matchup. I miss the first game and then I'm toast. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. This year though, we were we were six for six to start. Ooh, because I mean. We'll, we'll break it down. So Maryland, West Virginia was the first game. You know, those eight nines are hard to pick, but Maryland came back, uh, battled, and won. And then simultaneously, the other game going on, the first two, it looked like I was going to go over two. Maryland was down double digits deep into the game. I was like, I'm toast. <laughs> Furman was down double digits deep into the game. I was like, I'm toast. Because that's right. I picked the Furman to beat Virginia, and uh, they ended up coming through off that crazy turnover from Clark. Um Bad pass. As the Furman guy said, he just threw the ball. Yeah, he just, just threw, threw it up the ball. In the air. Um, that was exciting. I also didn't realize uh, a, one of the backup point guard for Furman, Carter Witt, uh, is from Raleigh, where I'm from. Ooh. Watched him play in high school, so that was kind of mind-boggling. I was like, oh dang, I know that guy. <laughs> um, but Furman came through. I was very excited. You know how I feel about Virginia, Tony Bennett. Your coaching style, man, it's not sustainable long term. Yeah, for people that may have not listened to the last couple of shows, you've been a little low on Virginia recently, like throughout the past couple of weeks when we've been previewing the uh, previewing March Madness. Why is that? What what stuck out to you with the Cavaliers that made you be like, I think they might, I think we might be giving them too many flowers. I mean, think about like, with the exception of, and well, actually, I'll get to it. So basically, I have issues with. Tony Bennett, head coach Tony Bennett's coaching style for Virginia. I mean, he's a great coach, don't get me wrong. They're a great program. Obviously, they've had a lot of su- lot of success. They won the national championship in 2019. But with that being said, year after year, you we know this if you watch Virginia basketball, they pride themselves on their defense. Mm-hmm. They're a defensive specialist team. They run a slow-tempo, half-court offense, um, and, and it really works well for them because you know they hold teams to like 50 points. But it comes back to hurt them more often than not because they always— have trouble scoring the ball. Uh, they go on scoring droughts frequently, almost every game. Um, and if you face a team that shoots lights out against you or can beat their mm-hmm. zone or their half-court defense, then they're screwed. 
um, then they're playing from behind. And we see that in the tournament. Virginia now has gotten upset by double-digit seeds a lot. They were the first team, obviously, number one overall seed, lost to a 16-seed UMBC. They lost to Ohio in a 5-12 matchup, and now they lost to Furman in a 4-verse-13 matchup. And, yeah, they won the national championship in 2019. Guess what? Guess what? Analytically speaking, they had their best offensive team in 2019, the year they won the national championship. But years like last year, this year, when they lost to UMBC, struggling offense. They, ha- they only win by shutting down teams. But if a team shoots lights out, what's going to happen? An upset. Furman comes back and beats them. And Fer- guess what? <laughs> Furman didn't even shoot the ball well. <laughs> Furman, Furman was not shooting lights out. Um, and Virginia just kind of choked with that, obviously, last-second turnover. Uh, but I was happy that pick came through. Um, no hate, but I was right. <laughs> <laughs> no hate, but I like being right. Now, if you were a Virginia fan, now you know they're knocked out of the tournament this mm-hmm. year. Would you take knowing, like, if you could choose, if you knew that you would be the first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed and then immediately win the national championship after and then have that followed up with more round of 64 exits, as a fan, would you take that? Would you take that one national championship? I mean, although knowing those games, like, you're just going to be known in history as being the first ever team to give up a win to a 16 seed. It's a good question. Like, obviously, in the moment when it happened, they were probably like, oh, this is the worst. But when you win the next year, yeah, I guess it kind of eliminates some of that pain. Um, it was interesting because I've seen a lot of Virginia fans, like, on Twitter basically saying, like, oh, it's still worth it. It's still worth it. So I guess it is. I mean, if that was my team, it probably would be. At yeah. least we got to win the championship. But I will say, I mean, doesn't it get infuriating? year after year i mean isn't it boring watching virginia basketball virginia fans i mean you score like 50 (laughs) points a game i mean yeah you cause like 15 turnovers but you just don't score it's boring um and then and then you get why do you think that is double digit seeds why do you think because i mean we we definitely got to start off because that was like the first big upset Mm-hmm. Of the uh, tournament, it was was the Furman versus. But guess Virginia. what? That's the thing. I didn't even see it as that big of an upset. No, I, I was been like, calling it in the recent I, weeks. I said that. before the bracket came out, I was like, whoever Virginia, whoever Virginia's playing, uh, I'm picking them. <laughs> now, would you uh, with Virginia though? Because it seems like you've been, you know, watching them a lot. You've been, you've been sitting and thinking on these theories. There's uh, other teams though that oh, I've been right and, about. We'll no, get there. We'll but. get there. Uh, yeah, we were definitely talking <laughs> March Madness this show. But uh, with Virginia, why do you think it is that they are just lights out on defense? They're so good at defense, but they can't get anything going offensively. Well, they can get stuff going they, offensively, but not to win games. They, well, they have one of the best backcourts in the country. I mean, Clark has been there. It feels like a decade now. But they have one of the best backcourts in the country, and their defense is just high pressure. It's very uh, unlike their offense. I mean, their offense is very slow tempo. Um and that sort of thing, but their defense is in your face. You know, they they can run a full court press. They can they they trap a lot. Um, they they play, you know, all the way out to the beyond the three point line. I mean, they just give you no space. Their defense is just it's very intense. It's hard to beat. Um, and Tony Bennett's whole philosophy is defense. So you know, day in and day out, that's kind of just their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Um. But you see on the offensive side, it's just they struggle to get things going. I mean, watching that game, I literally tweeted. They were up uh, about eight or something, and then Furman hit a three, cut it to like five, and there was about eight minutes left or something. And I tweeted, it's only a matter of time before Virginia goes one on one of their um, typical eight-minute scoring droughts. Mm-hmm. Right after that, boom, Furman just takes all the momentum, uh, kept it within a couple points. And especially in March Madness, I mean, people have talked about this, but... 
in these neutral site games, oh, yeah. the the later into the game it gets and that's the closer it is, it becomes a road game for the mm-hmm. for the higher seed. Every neutral fan there is cheering for the underdog, and that's what I love about March Madness. So it becomes a road game, and then obviously you already have the pressure of we're the we're supposed to win. Exactly. You know, that entitlement almost, like we're the better team, quote unquote. So now all the pressure is on you. And it, it's just an electric atmosphere, but because cause don't get me wrong, I have my brackets uh, mm-hmm. already. At, like most people, already busted. I think I saw a stat uh, this morning where like point zero zero. Oh, there's no more after yeah. the, after uh, last night. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no more perfect brackets, uh, or they won't be soon. But I like I have my brackets. I'm in my pools with friends and all that stuff. But I care about the actual games more. Like same mm-hmm. with fantasy, same with all that stuff. So no matter what I have in with friends or with these brackets, if it is a close game like that and it's getting to the last five minutes and the underdog, everybody wants to see an underdog win unless you are the fan of the team they are playing. Exactly. exactly as you said. So uh, I was going to say, speaking of Virginia, though, and that sort of thing. Uh, so Friday night, um, and, and this kind of goes back to you know that whole conversation, is it worth it if you're getting upset by all these teams but you win the championship? Lucky for Virginia, they got bailed out from being known as the one seed that lost to a 16 seed. Because Friday night... I have a Ruth's Chris gift card, $100. I plan it out. I'm like, we're, we're going to get a nice meal, Lila and I, <laughs> under $100. So we plan it out. We, we go to Ruth's Chris because apparently, Ruth's Chris, this is whack, but you can't order takeout over the phone or order online. They don't have an order online or, or call in. So you have to go there. And uh, it's in Uptown, so I got to park in a parking deck. And now, all of a sudden, I got to pay for parking, so I'm really paying for this meal at Ruth's Chris <laughs> that I had a gift card for. This man's all about the gift card, <laughs> and it's all it's just being thrown out the window because of parking decks in Charlotte. But I've been tracking, I've been watching most of it and kind of keeping up with this FDU versus Purdue game. And, you know, it was close for a while, so I was like, ooh, I'm keeping an eye on this. But we go to Ruth's Chris to order takeout. We sit at the bar. We're waiting for our food. FDU game is on. When I left, they were down like eight. It was like, okay, this is where Purdue starts to pull away. Mm-hmm. I get to I get to Ruth's Chris, order at the bar, look up at the TV. It's like a one point game, and I'm like, oh man, everyone at the bar, no, like most of them don't even look like sports fans, but everyone at the bar just knows how insane this is. Everyone yeah. is an FDU fan now FDU, in the middle baby. of Uptown, and as we know, FDU ends up winning that game, upsetting Purdue, and. Now they will be Virginia will be bailed out as the team getting upset by a 16 seed because this upset FDU over Purdue is 10 times more of an upset than the UMBC versus Virginia game. So why why would you say that though? What makes this one different than the UMBC and with Virginia? So now people have kind of debated this, but the, there's really a right answer. So I mean, people will say, well, Virginia was the number one overall seed when they lost. That's true, they were. Um, but UMBC wasn't that bad of a team and umbc won their conference tournament they earned the automatic qualifying Mm -hmm. bid to play in the ncaa tournament fdu (laughs) two nine oh and also i think umbc (laughs) i think umbc was 160 something in ken palm 175 in ken palm fdu was 299 in ken palm 299 out of what 320 division (laughs) one basketball teams there were 299 in ken palm and they lost their conference championship. So how did they end up there? How is that possible, Ben? Enlighten us. So the team they lost to, Merrimack, I believe, 
we'll cut this if it's wrong. <laughs> Merrimack uh, is in a transition period into Division One basketball, so they're ineligible to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Why? I don't know. I was, Dumb rules. I was about to say sidebar. Yeah. Do you like that at all? I think that, no. I think if you're transition transitioning, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, you're playing you in win, it, right? You're playing in it. <laughs> It is not your fault that you're good straight from. It's kind of That's like JMU in the Sun Belt with football. Yeah, like it's like oh JMU kind of went through the conference <laughs> playing football, but they can't they can't qualify for a bowl game because it's their first year. Yeah, it's dumb. It's no. like if if you're playing in that league, why can't you play exactly. in that league? But in the postseason, uh, stupid rule, stupid rule, stupid rule. Um, like at that point, wouldn't you just make it where oh you can't play a whole year because you can't you're transitioning into this division, you can't play in this mm-hmm. division. Why can you play the regular season but not the postseason? Exactly. Anyways, I agree. We digress. Um. <laughs> FDU lost their conference championship and got in because of this, you know, anomaly, this uh, complication. And then they win their playing game. So they won two game. They won a game to get to play Purdue. And then they beat Purdue. And not only are they so low in the Ken Palm, not only did they not even win their conference tournament, they had the smallest team in the tournament. And that's what fascinates me the most because Purdue, you know, they're built around that seven four guy. That Zach Eady. Purdue was built around Zach Eady, who, by the way, you're lame. This man, Zach Eady, was like hitting, you know, like the flexing arms and like screaming at the top of his lungs after getting an and one on a dude like five foot six. Like, get out of here. Also, to like cut the lead to four against the 16 seed who's 299 in Ken Palm. And you're eight feet tall, Zach Eady. And we won't even go into the other stuff. But uh, that dude is, that dude is lame. I, but that is an incredible story. Sorry. But. Did you not? Did I not say in the office, Maggie? Did I not say in the office? I was like, man, this is really annoying because Memphis and FAU are playing each other, and the winner plays Purdue. And I don't know who to pick between Memphis or FAU. All I know is the winner of that game is going to the Sweet Sixteen. You did 16. say. You did say. You I said s- that in the office. You said that in the multiple group chats for yep. in. I think you said I that said to random show. people in the Call of Duty lobbies who were playing <laughs> on Xbox. You was like, hey, cool uh, sniper X seven four zero. I want you to know whoever <laughs> Purdue plays in the second round they're gonna lose so now is, is this take gone since purdue's no longer right in there? i guess so i mean after you hey cinderella story they could make the sweet 16 but can they be this year's st peter's remember that run that they had i i believe in princeton over that so as we know princeton the 15 seed beat arizona those ivy league schools man they can cause trouble another sidebar <laughs> we got to talk about the arizona game yeah because it's much more personal to you it is much more personal to me for many reasons um but the last thing on the Purdue thing, that made me, I, I was happy to see that, not only just because you love to see upsets, but I said on last week's show, Purdue is shaky. Purdue mm-hmm. is shaky. Now, I did not think they were lose to a 16 seed in the first round shaky. Not but, only the 16 seed, <laughs> the but worst a seed team. that had to have 14 extenuating circumstances <laughs> go their way so that way they can end up against Purdue. And Literally. I think it was really cool with the head coach, I'm, you've probably seen this video going mm-hmm. around, saying the more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. Yeah, that was crazy. Because, I mean, saying that before the game, when you know kind of where your team is at, that, that, that could ask for a bold... And- beat down and one of the cool things too with these upsets are i love because you just start learning about these like nobody knew nobody really knew what umbc or where Mm. it was until it did it but everybody loves that cinderella story and they showed a comparison between like purdue's gym yeah and fdu facilities that's what blows your mind no and it's just like and that's why i love like these dudes are playing in a ymca they they really are it's like you guys have state-of-the-art facilities like 
millions of dollars being funded for the best of the best. And I don't know how accurate this is because I'm going off of a TikTok. <laughs> I'm going off of a TikTok video. All right. But uh, there was uh, when I got up uh, when I got up yesterday, there was a TikTok of man, FDU just upset Purdue. You would think campus is going crazy to somebody at the center of FDU's campus. And they go around, not a soul in sight. <laughs> I said I would have re- if App State did something. Oh, App yeah. State would be a 16 seed if they're in the NCAA tournament. I would have. I don't. I would have went to Holmes, taken out the basketball posts <laughs> or basketball goals the same way they do the field goal posts whenever we upset a huge uh, football team. But come on, FDU, if that is true and nobody was partying on campus, I know it's probably spring come break on. or something. Yeah, support the team. Y'all right? are now America's favorite. Yeah, it, it is pretty insane. It, it, it's it's pretty insane. It was it was a good story. But going back to what you were saying, got to talk about the other big upset that happened. A lot of upsets, but the next biggest Love upset it. in the first round was 15-seed Princeton beating Arizona. Now, this pains me on multiple levels. One, if you listened to a couple last week's show, before the brackets even came out, my gut feeling was, I, I even said it, I said, I think if I had to pick a team right now, I'd go with UCLA to win the championship. Mm-hmm. Then the bracket came out, and I don't know why I didn't stick with it, because UCLA's region is very favorable for them. A Kansas team that's been wishy-washy is the one seed. UCLA's the two seed in there. Um, you know, there's a couple Mountain West teams in there, you know, like UConn. Or not, Boise State was a Mountain West team, but, you know, you have like UConn, some other weaker, mm-hmm. strong teams that are higher seeded. It's a very favorable region for UCLA. I have them going to the championship game, but for whatever reason, I picked Arizona as my champion. In my bracket. <laughs> I went against my gut. For whatever. You never go against your I know. gut, Ben. And I go against my gut and change it. I literally did my bracket and I had UCLA the champion. I changed it before brackets locked. Change it to Arizona. Arizona loses in the first round. Soul crushing. Another reason it's soul crushing. Yeah. Why? And this is worse. <laughs> I don't care about a friendly bracket challenge. Whatever. Day one. I don't sports bet a lot. I don't, I don't, I don't do it much, but I'm like, let's do it. Parlay. Parlay, if you're not sure, it's when you bet on multiple games um, each game has to, you know, result in a mm-hmm. win. You have to get all legs of the parlay to hit to win the bet. It's crazy high odds, so it usually pays out a lot for a small amount of money. So I do a nice $5 casual bet on seven teams to win. No spreads or anything, just seven teams to win in the first day of March Madness. $5 to win like 530 I'm picking my games very similar to my bracket. Maryland. We go Maryland, slight underdog. That's good odds. We'll go Maryland. San Diego State beating Charleston. We'll go San Diego State. Furman beating Virginia. I believe it. We're going Furman. Um, what else did I? Oh, I had Missouri beating Utah State in the in the parlay. Um, I had Duke beating Oral Roberts in the parlay. And then I had, for whatever reason, <laughs> I thought it was a lock, Arizona money line beating Princeton. I didn't need Arizona to beat them by 20 points and cover some weird spread. Yeah. I just needed Arizona to beat a 15 seed. Arizona lost every other single game hit. <laughs> Furman beat Virginia. You you wouldn't even have to have had that gift card to Roots, Chris, if this right? bet hit. <laughs> and it crushes me, too, because the odds of Arizona winning were so high. So if I just didn't include that bet, I would have won, like, 10 less dollars. <laughs> right. So it's like, there was no reason. I was just like, oh, well, that one should be a lock. Uh, but moral of the story, don't sports bet. It, <laughs> it, it, it's soul crushing. But um, we we learn and we move past, past it. But yeah, it hurts because I lost my bracket. My bracket got busted. My bet got busted. Um, 
but yeah, what can what else can you do? What can you do? That's just the that's the that's the madness of March. It's I March guess. Madness. It's March Madness. You can you can only be so sure of what is going to happen, and then as the clock ticks away on the scoreboard, all hopes and dreams mm-hmm. begin to fall and flounder. Matt, when we come back, we're going to talk about a few more games that happened throughout March Madness that we think we should highlight. As uh, It has been a very, very, very exciting tournament so far. I just like how multiple higher seeds, the 15, 14, and 16 seed, have all upset their opponents. They have all moved on to the second round of the tournament. Ah, it's upon us. March. We'll be right back on the Uptown Sports Crowd. And now back to more of the Uptown Sports Crowd on Fox Sports Radio Charlotte 94.7. Move aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Move aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. The Uptown Sports Crowd, Fox Sports Radio Charlotte, Mackie Gallagher, Ben Cole, 94.7 FM every single Sunday. From 9 to 10 a.m. Last segment, we talked about March Madness as the first round has been a doozy. Big upsets. FDU, Princeton. There's one more. Furman. Furman, thank you. My goodness. (laughs) We just talked about it. I don't know why I couldn't remember. There was another game. Not really an upset. Uh, because Ben mentioned early, earlier, these games are hard to pick. Those middle seeds, those like eight versus nine. Mm -hmm. There was one game that was very entertaining to watch. That was FAU. Versus Memphis. Yes. And, uh, you know, FAU is in uh, UNC Charlotte's conference. And so I was doing a game that they were playing. Very, uh, very good basketball. Yeah, high-scoring high pa- team. I'd say high, high pace, high scoring. And only three losses all year. What uh, what stood out to you with that game specifically? Because the reason I want to focus on this one is because uh, you also threw in that tidbit last segment that, you know, whoever, which of these two teams Purdue played, evidently they're not playing them anymore, uh, they were going to win. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they both Memphis and FAU both have had uh, pretty good seasons. So, But what's the, what stood out to you with this, uh, with this game? Uh, it was honestly just a back-and-forth game, and neither team could really get a lot going. These FAU specifically is a team that scores a lot of points, uh, but they also, both of these teams have very good defenses. Um, they are defensive-minded teams, and it kind of showed uh, Friday night. Um FAU only shot 28% from three. They went eight for 28, so they just could not get it going. Memphis on the other side, six of 22 from three. So just neither team really shot well, but both teams played a relatively clean game. Um, Single-digit turnovers from both sides. So, you know, pretty. it wasn't sloppy or anything. Um, The thing that really stuck out to me is FAU had, you know, 18 offensive rebounds, um, which is just going to put you in a good position to win when you're getting that many second-chance opportunities. But... Uh, this one came down to the the final possession, and it kind of in, kind of brings up an interesting conversation that I want to ask you, um, kind of from like a coaching or fan mindset, even Mo- honestly, maybe more more fan mindset, more fan because because when you're know in these situations, yeah, yeah. But Memphis was up one, FAU had the ball, and this happened um, in another game uh, Friday that we were at Wooden Robot Brewery watching. I'm blanking on it, but. Um, it was a one-point game, oh, yeah, one possession. Um, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, point of point of the the question is, from fans' standpoint, one-point game. Would you rather have the ball down one, and this is like final possession, yeah. like obviously, like no shot clock or anything, like final possession. Would you rather be down one point and have the ball, 
or be up one point and be on defense. Mm. So final possession, final shot. Like yeah. this is the final one point attempt game. to score yeah. points in the game. Yeah. Would and you rather have the so ball either down win one? it or tie? Pretty much. Like to you're, just win, you're winning or losing, or you're winning or losing, pretty much from either standpoint. Because if you're on defense. Oh, and we're specifically up. talking one point. It's a one oh, point okay, game because okay. you know this happens. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, automatic win if yeah. you make it. I think I would have to go. I think I would rather be on offense for this because for a couple reasons, I would rather be on offense down one last shot of the game because in a way I feel like you control the destiny. You you got to create good looks. You got to run your play that you drew up because most likely you called a timeout right before. I think just having the ball in your hands, because I'm just thinking of like, I'm thinking of from that Paul George perspective when Damian Lillard shot that uh, shot mm-hmm. over him. Like he was playing great defense and Damian, I mean, this is pros obviously. That is Damian Lillard. It yeah. is Damian Lillard. But like, I'm just thinking this uh, from, I'm thinking about it specifically because I still can't get over that specific shot, that specific play in that playoff series because of how good Paul George played it on defense. Yeah, it's like no matter how good you, if you have that shooter, he on still your team, left him enough room to get a shot off though. But like if you watch mm-hmm. where he's like Damian Lillard just got the ball over, and that's yeah. the thing with defense. If that shooter gets the ball up and they're in their spot or whatever, I mean you could play you could play as tight as you want, but if that ball gets over your hand. And then it's just a Hail Mary. You're just that two seconds of silence watching the ball go in. I would rather be on the offensive side watching the ball, you know, soar through the air, possibly make it or, you know, miss it. I don't – with defense, I feel like it's so out of your control, even if mm. you play good defense I and they disagree. get a shot up. Because I was going to say, I mean, it, using your example alone, if I'm up one playing defense, I'll give a team a 40-foot three any day of the week. Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but – I'll give you a contested three every day of the week, um, but when but when you're up one, you know it does make it more stressful because obviously if you're on defense, they can take it to the hoop, uh, potentially draw a foul, beat you at the free throw line. You don't want to lose like that. Um, but but I disagree with the controlling the destiny. I think you control your destiny on either side of the ball. Definitely, um, obviously. But but I get what you're saying because I'd almost tend to agree. I'd rather be on the offensive side and obviously depends on the team too like do i have virginia's defense give tony bennett some credit <laughs> right. do i have virginia's defense i'm taking defense yeah well, no do no, i have no really huge yeah, like just, you know outliers just yeah basic gray basketball. area yeah gray gray uh area 50 50 on both sides mm. i would say pretty much like the fau memphis game yeah I, i'd probably agree with you in the grand scheme of things i think i'd choose offense i would want the, to be the one to get the last I, shot off. i'd rather my team get a good look and miss mm-hmm. then then yeah just a guy score on us mm-hmm. it also that's another thing too though is sometimes it's so infuriating especially watching these college basketball games and going back to that purdue game teams will call timeouts and come out of the timeout and have the worst play ever i've seen drawn up or they come out of a timeout and it's just an iso play i was about to bring that up i yeah. I, I cannot stand you know the one two minutes of like whether it's a media timeout regular mm-hmm. timeout on the floor you're draw you're drawing up this play to win a game whether it's in the regular season or in the and you conference need a bucket you, like need, you a need a bucket, bucket. And, and you c- just throw it to a guy at the top of the key who stands there for like until it gets like and seven, then he six. just tries to drive into the lane and usually gets like blocked because the mm-hmm. guy help defense comes and he gets stuffed yeah no that is the most infuriating thing because it's like as a head coach do you not have these plays in practice sometimes where it's like this is going to work almost every time mm-hmm. like this is our play it's like at the it's like a two point conversion like these are our set plays from the two-yard line that we know are always going to work like those screen rub routes yeah. kind of things it's like in basketball it's same thing why are you drawing up an iso play out of a timeout with the game on the line so yeah no i hate those scenarios but more often than not 
I think draw up a good play, let your team, you know, control their own destiny in a sense, and and put the ball in the basket. I'd rather be on offense. Now it's stressful either way. Oh, from I'll, a fan yeah. standpoint, it's horrible either way. Um, but to the point you don't even want to watch. But yeah, you you said it too. I would rather my team get a good look on offense and get that final shot than you know. Someone, I mean, I've seen buzzer beaters, and I know we've all seen buzzer beaters, where someone just throws up like a hook shot from half court or something yeah. like that. You see it whether it's on Twitter, ESPN, or something, to where luck can be on your side. And I feel like luck favors the offensive team in this situation. Yeah, no, I can and agree. sometimes that's what it comes down to. In any game you play, whether it's sports, poker, so on and so forth, I mean, you have to have a little bit of luck on your side, especially in these late-game situations. It's true. It's it's scary though. I I don't like being a fan in those in those situations. I, love I just want my team it. to win by twenty every single game, <laughs> and then we can avoid all. of Yeah, this. can't that just be the case? Um, but but yeah, no, it was unfortunate for Memphis. Um, they gave up a bucket with about two seconds left and lost. And okay, that's actually a good point. Now that I mention it, depending on how much time is left, let's say ten seconds. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd rather have the ball too because. And this is another thing with coaching. I don't like when teams run plays too deep into the into the clock. Mm-hmm. Like if you have the if there's 30 seconds left and you have last shot, run your play at like 15 seconds. Don't run your play or even 12 seconds. Don't run your play at six seconds. You want to you want to leave some wiggle room just yeah, in case because it's not in there. case you get an off because it happens in case you get an offensive rebound and you get a chance to go back up with it in case you get miss it and it's still a one point game you can foul and mm-hmm. still get another chance for like you know a full court heave or something or a half court heave give your chance give yourselves a chance though to get like second chance points and i don't know i i that, that's my take on it though i'm mean, granted if you score too soon they can come down the floor and beat you but still you know. I'm, I'm stressed just thinking about it. Right. What, what are your thoughts on uh, players, you know, going for that, per, like that act, the foul on a final shot? You know how, like, when someone jumps up for a shot and they try to lean into a defender? Yeah, I don't like that. I, I really don't like it, too. I mean, I hate that gray area of basketball, too, from like the officiating standpoint, where you see too often guys get the foul call when they initiate the contact. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating to watch. I, I'm not a big fan of that. Just go up and try and score. If you get the foul, you get the foul. It, and Don't look for the contact. I agree yeah. completely because there's nothing more frustrating to me to watching. And w- Luckily, we haven't really seen it in college basketball too much recently, uh, late in games. But there's nothing more frustrating to me in basketball. Game on the line, your team or my team has you know the final shot. And then they get a decent look, but they try to flail their body and get contact, and it's a horrible shot, then they get mad when the foul's not called. Yep. Just go up for your shot. Yep. How often do you practice in your team's practice practices? How often do you you know, attempt those shots where you're trying to get the foul? You attempt the shots that you take to shoot. If the mm-hmm. foul happens, it fouls. Or it exactly. exactly. So, yeah, we're, we're in agreement on that. Uh, just, just try and get the clean look. Uh, do your best. And but, now, are there any, uh, sticking with March Madness, are there any conferences, any regions that you've been keeping an eye uh, on? Yeah, so, I mean, when the bracket came out, because, yeah, we haven't had a show yet where we really got to break down the bracket itself. So, obviously, when the bracket came out, my first impression, and I was, you know, so far, it's been pretty accurate, that um, East region was like, oh, God, I have no idea, I have no idea what to do. Uh, the East region is where we had Purdue as the one seed, Marquette as the two seed, the the region with Duke and Memphis and FAU and all of them. That region, looking at it, was so hard. Because, especially, I said last week, this is one of those years where I think a nine seed could win the championship. Um, there's just no one dominant team. If you look at analytical trends of champions from recent years, like five, ten years back, there's no team in this tournament 
that matches any of those historical champion trends. So there's no one dominant team. And with that being said, you know, my thoughts with Purdue and everything, this region was so hard to pick. Um, like, I didn't want to pick Purdue to make the Final Four, but and Marquette's defense is a little too weak to put him in the Final Four. So I ended up going with Duke, which ended up hurting because Duke lost. But they felt like they were getting hot, unfortunately, lost to Tennessee. Um, but in a perfect world, this is – or in a goofy year where I just want to do whatever I want, this is one of those regions where I would put maybe like a six-seeded Kentucky in the Final Four or or why I did Duke in the Final Four as a five-seed because it just seems like one of those regions where anything can happen. And so far, that's been the case. FTU beat Purdue. <laughs> um, pretty crazy, though. But in terms of conferences, uh, yeah, there's definitely a couple things I would like to highlight. Um, thank you for coming to my TED Talk, Maggie. Um, <laughs> Always happy to support. But – Going back from recent years, one of the things that I was excited to see a trend and if it would, uh, you know, maintain this year is, you know, co- we look at conference trends. Like last year, it was interesting. Everyone was like, oh, ACC is weak this year. Ended up having NC State in the championship. Or, I mean, uh, UNC in the championship. Excuse me. Um, and ACC teams ended up doing pretty well. Uh, this year, ACC teams not doing pretty well. But anyways, there was one conference trend that excited me, and it was Mountain West. Mountain West teams, uh, that's like your Boise State, your San Diego State, uh, your Utah State. <laughs> Just a bunch all, of states. All of those teams. Um, and they're not even states, but I don't know. <laughs> the Mountain West has been playing horribly in the NCAA tournament, and people still pick them. I've been looking at my friends' brackets in these groups. I've been looking at like experts doing their brackets from like ESPN and stuff. Why? Are you still picking Mountain West teams when they have done nothing to prove that they can win an NCAA tournament game? Mountain West teams did not win a single game in last year's tournament. So this year, and and last year, it hurt me. Colorado State played Michigan when Michigan should not have made the tournament, a lot of people thought. Colorado State lost to Michigan. Blew like a 20-point lead. Lost. That was the start of the downhill trend for the Mountain West. Mountain West teams. And that was the did not, start of you just losing all faith. No, yeah, because because after that, a Mountain West team didn't win a single game in the NCAA tournament. So guess what? I did this year. I said I'm not picking one. The only one I picked, and I still changed it. It, it was the one thing I changed that ended up working in my favor. Um, San Diego State versus Charleston. I wanted to have a Charleston Furman second round matchup and have Charleston in the Sweet 16. I ended up switching it and put San Diego State versus Furman, San Diego State moving on, which is what happened. But San Diego State broke the streak of Mountain West teams losing. But that was one of the last games because to start off this year, one of the first games in the NCAA tournament, Missouri, 7 seed versus 10-seeded Utah State. Can't tell you how many experts I saw pick Utah State. Missouri went 76-65. Northwestern, 7 seed, played 10-seeded Boise State. Can't tell you how many people I saw pick Boise State. Don't pick Mountain West teams. They don't win games. Northwestern, 75-67. But finally, San Diego State broke the streak. Uh, Mountain West teams were like 0-12 in recent years until San Diego State. No, it was bad. Like what? But how is one conference just so bad on the biggest stage of college basketball if they continue to get there? It's a good question. Um, Because, I mean, they they have to be good because they're they're in here consistently. And San Diego State usually is. Uh, the best, the best Mountain West team. I, I couldn't tell you. I don't, I don't know what it is. I think you really just start to see that skill disparity when they get matched up against, you know, major conferences. I mean, look at Utah State and Missouri. SEC has been pretty dang good this year. Mm-hmm. Like with teams like especially Missouri. Missouri's yeah, been a little bit of a sleeper. Exactly. This season. And Missouri came in as a seven seed. You got to pick them all day long. A mid, a mid strength SEC team versus a pretty good Mountain West team. I mean. 
conferences really do play a lot in picking, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just kind of why I was like, I'm not picking a Mountain West team until they prove to me they can win, and it worked out in my favor. And San Diego State almost lost to Charleston. So, <laughs> I mean, they almost really uh, kept the streak going. Um, but let's look at ACC, Uptown Sports Crowd. We're local. So uh, NC State, unfortunately, lost to Creighton. They were an 11 seed. They lost by nine. Um, Kevin Keats, second tournament appearance, I believe, with the Wolfpack, but they lose in the first round. Um, Virginia obviously gets upset. Duke lost to Tennessee Saturday in the round of 32. Uh, Miami came back. They were about to get upset by 12 seed to Drake. Yeah, that was a good game. Um, and Miami ended up coming back and winning. And then Pittsburgh won their playing game and then upset Iowa State by a large margin, 59 to 41. So Pittsburgh and Miami are holding it down for the ACC right now. But uh, the rest of the teams. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I know, right? Not me. But the rest <laughs> of the ACC teams, the people, the favorites of the ACC, have kind of been letting down um, every our, our just fans. But uh, we'll see how how deep Miami and uh in Pittsburgh can go. But other conferences, I mean, SEC has obviously seen some upsets happen, but they still have you know Alabama and. Um, Tennessee has been playing well. They're still in there. Kentucky. Um, Big East still has UConn. And some of the teams, Pac-12 lost Arizona, but they still have UCLA. There's, I mean, we'll, we'll see how the conferences match up in the end. I know end, UCLA but, can you know, carry back the Pac-12 to glory. Uh, I don't know really if you can. haven't pulled up on your laptop right now, but the, I don't know if you're looking at your bracket, but I know Arizona got knocked out. Mm-hmm. Is your bracket still pretty intact? I do a yearly tradition of I, I do my two or three brackets and then I don't look at them until after, <laughs> after the tournament's yeah. over. I, 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 I'll just stress myself out. So I do have my bracket pulled up. Um, it really hurt. I wish I stuck with my gut and had UCLA as my champion. I only did one bracket. Ooh, I, okay. I know. I only did one bracket, and I, I should have kept it at UCLA. My bracket right now, it's very upsetting because I'm in the 98th percentile. Uh, I'm <laughs> crushing, like, the ra- the first two days, the round of 64, I crushed it. You did. You were sending I, screenshots and everything I to the group. I missed, like, two games. I mean, I crushed it. So I'm destroying my bracket pool, but I'm screwed because my champion's out. So, you know, my max points are capped out. Mm-hmm. But so far, I am doing pretty good. Um out of like an eight-team pool, I'm in first right now. But I basically need I need what I said on the show last week. I need a random team to win so no one's champion makes it. Like most of the people, let's see the champions my, my group chose. UCLA, Houston, Alabama, Kansas. That's it. So I need all those teams to lose. <laughs> um, you, need the, you need the tournament favorites and them all to lose and I, you'll be straight. I, I, I literally need like FAU to make the championship um, so I can win my bracket pool and uh, have those bragging rights. But... No, I'm excited. It's been a fun March Madness. No, already it's been a fun March Madness. We're only a few days in, and I would love to see a like nine or lesser seed just make it all the way through. We've been seeing some runs recently mm-hmm. with you know lower seeds making it to the Sweet 16 or to the Elite Eight, and then you know that dream is crushed by a team that is supposed to be there or was supposed to be there before the tournament. I would like to see. Exactly as you just said, FAU or somebody just be able to make it all the way to the championship game. Me too. So now just looking at the bracket real quick before uh, we move on to other stuff. Um, with the teams remaining, if I had to pick like a low-seeded team to maybe make a run, uh, you can never count out Michigan State now with Tom Izzo and that experience. They played a great game against USC in the first round, and now with that East region being as weak as it, as it is, if they beat Marquette, they can really make a run to the Final Four because, uh, you know, then they just got to get through either Kentucky or Kansas State and then Tennessee 
or um, FAU or FDU. So mm-hmm. they have a real path to the Final Four now, so look out for Michigan State. And then, honestly, Creighton, um, with Arizona being knocked out. Because now Creighton, if they can beat Baylor, um, they're, they're looking at a, not free pass, but a good chance of making the Elite Eight. Um, so watch out for a, Creighton. And Baylor has a history of, you know, underperforming later into the tournament in recent years. Baylor, since like 2017, 2018. Yeah, Baylor played UC Santa Barbara in the first round, and that was a close game until like 10 minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. So watch out for Baylor losing to Creighton. I have Creighton winning that game, so uh, we'll see if I'm right on that. But anyways, I'm excited for the rest of it. Ben Cole, the Uptown Sports Crowd, March Madness extraordinaire, breaking it all down for us. I love it. Me and him were texting throughout the week, always like hearing him break it down. And as he said, go on his March Madness TED talk uh you can uh hit up what's what's your twitter band i think i never got it right ben cole underscore four I oh think. he has that underscore in it. yeah ben there's cole only eight four. million ben coles so i mean you gotta have an underscore in there <laughs> hit him up on twitter see if your bracket is in that 98th percentile t- percentile Ooh, where the accent come from <laughs> as his is uh don't go anywhere when we come back we're going to talk about uh free agency as you know march madness is happening free agency has started up in march for the nfl panthers are finally making some moves and we're going to talk about it uptown sports crowd fox sports radio charlotte 94 7 fm sundays 9 to 10 we'll be right back and now back to more of the uptown sports crowd on fox sports radio charlotte 94.7 uptown sports crowd on fox sports radio charlotte we have a few more rejoins made but i kind of like the bit of just running the same exact <laughs> one for nearly half a year and i don't know if i want to stop we all ben and i are always committed to the bit ben cole sitting across from me mackie gallagher here thank you for tuning in with us this sunday we are on air. Fox Sports Radio Charlotte, 94.7 FM from 9 to 10 a.m. As we always say every single week, if you can't catch us uh, on air or over the airwaves of Uptown Charlotte, you can catch us online at foxsportsradiocharlotte.com or the Fox Sports Radio Charlotte mobile app. Ben does a good job cutting up some TikToks for us. If you want to catch us on that revolutionary app, <laughs> I still don't understand some of the vid. I'm on it. It's entertaining, but there are some videos that have like 500,000 likes, millions of views, and it's the same person doing the same thing every single day. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad we did not grow up in the TikTok era. Yeah. Or cuz obviously I'm on it. You're yeah. on it. But I'm Vine I'm not a, on it. I I'm a I'm a creator. You're a creator. No, no, but I I genuinely I'm not uh, a consumer of TikTok. I really I'm really not. It's interesting actually because Lila said this to me because I only go on TikTok to post our TikToks. Right. And that's when I really and, started getting on TikTok more is when we created And, and I don't even use TikTok to make ours. I I make them in, you know, Premiere and then just export them and upload them to oh, TikTok. Oh, this man's an Adobe <laughs> Premiere boy. Oh, y'all are creating all these filters and stuff on TikTok. This man. I'm just raw dogging it. Is, just in, is it Adobe Premiere? Split clip, uh, you know, Command C or whatever. Um, anyways, uh but I go in there just to post our TikTok, so I don't usually use it. And every time I go and post it and then I don't touch it for three days, TikTok just sends me notifications. Like, hey, don't forget about me. Come back. Watch some videos. Waste your life. Um, literally. I got, I got an email like that from Kahoot. <laughs> Do you remember Kahoot, man? Oh, yeah. The... I'm like, look. I was like, let me go, man. <laughs> that let time has passed. If you're not familiar with what Kahoot is, it's a uh, interactive 
public quiz game that teachers use in the educational system now whenever they want to waste time. Um, <laughs> they'll be like, all right, they'll pull up Kahoot, and it's just like a code that you put in to, and, and to play this quiz that someone else did, created, and this teacher's like, all right, do this good quiz. I'm going to go sit at my desk. <laughs> it's the modern-day nap time. Um, but, yeah, TikTok will just send me notifications if I'm not on it for, like, two days. It'll literally be the randomest things. Like, you won't guess what she did. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it like, is a makeup what? tutorial. Leave me alone. Yeah. Leave me alone. Ah! Uh, Get out of my house. Why are you in my living room, TikTok? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but go hit us up on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so once we're just done spending we're gonna two minutes that, trashing this yeah, app. Yeah, and we're going to post that that clip that we just had on TikTok. Um, hopefully we don't get banned. Hopefully we don't get banned. <laughs> Stairs up at our phone that's recording this right now. Now, got done talking about March Madness. Ben killed it with his bracket breakdown. His predictions, he's been very uh, happy about it. You know, we're sitting in our cubicles, and uh, we'll get an update on the score. He's like, did I not call it on the show last week? Did I not call it? And I'm like, Ben, you did call it on the show. And then I get him a cookie from Jersey Mike's for My congratulations. Uh, other things happening in March, free agency in the NFL. Uh, not, as, not as exciting as upsets and stuff in March Madness, but what, what do you? Well, because you're talking about free agents, and, I f- and, and you mentioned Jersey Mike's. So I feel like we can't move past the fact that there was a big free agency move with our go-to Jersey Mike's. Yeah, um, man. Our, our manager, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's no. I, I think he just got moved to another Jersey Mike. No, I, I think so at. too. But we walked in. We're used to saying hi to him and everything. And uh, we walked in, and I guess there was a trade made in the off season. <laughs> in the off season. But, uh, they had a whole new staff in there. <laughs> we walked in. So if you don't know about me and Ben, me and Ben go, or Ben and I, excuse me, sorry, mom. Uh, ben and I go to Jersey Mike's. They do this deal every Tuesday. And it's like, what's like combo half off? Yeah, it's like it's a fairly, half off. It's like $10 for a regular size sub drinks and chips and everything. Yeah, no, and I'm all for it. And I get my extra cookie. And that's one thing I miss about Terry because <laughs> <laughs> I walk up. And before I even grab it, he's like, yeah, you better grab that cookie. <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm like, oh, you know me so well, Terry. Terry will be like one or two cookies today. <laughs> like, oh. Because I, I, get, I get one cookie from me. And then when my coworkers help me out with stuff at work, I always get them cookies from Jersey Mike's. Yeah, no, he does. It's it's not. Don't and, don't. But, shame but him. Terry thinks Terry thinks that I'm over here eating them all by myself. And don't get me wrong, I can and I most likely will. But in these exact scenarios, I'm definitely getting them for other people. And, but no, we walked in and we didn't see him, and we got very sad. We asked the we asked some of the employees where he was. It's like, yeah, he got moved. And I was like, no, I know that was our guy. That that was our Tuesday. Got traded for like a fifth rounder. Fifth rounder. <laughs> Right, shame, shame. Not even it's it's, it's gonna hurt that Jersey Mike's long term. It is their like. chemistry is thrown off. I mean, we went in there. It's, you can tell the the new signing is uh, <laughs> a bunch of one year deals. <laughs> no. uh, but yeah, it's it's tough. Now to a lesser free agency than Jersey Mike's free agency, the Carolina <laughs> Panthers are making some moves. Uh, Uptown sports crowd got to talk about. You know, I'm a Panther guy. Wow. I'm all for years. I have been watching teams make moves in free agency, and I'm just like, when will my Panthers be able to replicate that? And this year, you know, the staff, Frank Wright, Scott Fitterer, they are doing that. A couple of big free agent signings in no particular order. Uh, we're gonna start off with a with one that surprised me a lot. That was the signing of Von Bell from the Bengals. 
I like that because Von Bell, very experienced uh, DB, uh, very successful DB in the National Football League. And I like it, too, because I can see now one of the young studs on the Panthers' defense, Jeremy Chin. Uh, you know, he's kind of a hybrid between linebacker and safety. I love him when he's down in the box at the line, uh, in the linebacker level. I think they're going to move him down there more now that Von Bell can be in the back. And so I would like to see more, you know— uh, more change where where uh, Jeremy Chin is on the field, you know, per play. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to work out for both of them. Another signing from the Bengals that made me extremely happy was Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, we're getting all the gingers. Oh, I'm all about it. I've I've been a Hayden Hurst fan since he was drafted in 2018. He got his career started actually in Bank of America Stadium playing for the Ravens. His first career touchdown was against the Carolina Panthers. And I like Hayden Hurst because out of the uh, 150-plus catch deemed catchable targets that Hayden Hurst has had throughout his career. He has a drop percentage of 2.6%. Those are hands right there. Those are hands. All you need for a tight end is them to block well and also just be that reliable go-to person to move the sticks. And if he gets in the open field, you know me, Ben. I love tight ends. Mm -hmm. I love watching tight ends make plays. And, of course, ever since Greg Olson... Uh, was given away from the Panthers to the Seahawks. We have not been able to fulfill that tight end role. Granted, Greg Olson is one of the better tight ends in NFL history. But you're seeing tight ends of uh, becoming more uh, a more crucial part of teams' offenses. And you know, I like Tommy Tremble. Ian Thomas has been on the team for quite some time, but we didn't have you know that dog at the position. Now we got Hayden Hurst on a three year deal. That made me super excited. Uh, another former Bengal man. We're just going to be the Cincinnati Panthers. Uh, <laughs> Another former Bengal, Andy Dalton. Cheap two-year contracts, $10 million. Now, when the Panthers signed Andy Dalton, I made a joke saying, no, Panthers no no, no longer <laughs> need to use that number one pick on the quarterback. We're going to use it on a wide receiver. In all seriousness, I saw friends, Panthers Twitter, so upset that the Panthers signed Andy Dalton to two years, $8 million guaranteed. It's like, why? Why? Because he has a career... He has a career uh, winning percentage above 500. How many Panther quarterbacks in history can you say that? Right. And did you want the new franchise quarterback that the Panthers are going to get with the number one pick, assuming they don't trade back, to be learning from P.J. Walker and Jacob Eason? I was about to say, or God forbid they get hurt. Do you want, I mean, P.J. Walker was great, but do you want your backup to be P.J. Walker? Yeah. When you can sign a cheap veteran winning quarterback and Andy Dalton? And then your quarterback coach is Josh McCown. I mean, you got to think what quarterbacks like. I mean, it's hard to win in the NFL. So get so bringing that veteran presence to the locker room for the new guy to team up with Josh McCown, who has probably played against Andy Dalton in his career. I mean, that's a lot of knowledge in that room. In the first year with the franchise quarterback, with the new quarterback, you're just getting them acclimated to the NFL. You're teaching mm-hmm. them things that they have not even fathom or heard of, you know, through the rec league years, middle, high school, college. It's a whole different beast, the NFL. Mm-hmm. So having somebody with years of experience, even though Andy Dalton didn't get playoff wins, I mean, he still made it to the playoffs multiple times with the Bengals. I really enjoyed that signing. Uh, and I, it made me happy because that was my thing. I was like, without after this draft pick, I mean, there's no, there's still no quarterback room for the yeah. Panthers. And he did fairly well for the uh, Saints last year as a yeah. backup. Um, re-signed center Bradley Bozeman. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter. Uh, I, I, I'm going to deem myself friends with Bradley and Nikki Bozeman. If uh, th- if they think I am more of an acquaintance to them rather than a friend, they just don't have to tell anybody. They can just let me think this because I met them at a uh, Roaring Riot event in Salisbury last year before the season. And there's a video because I interviewed them. I was hosting this cornhole tournament to raise money for the Cheer City Riot. And... Uh, Bradley and Nikki just signed up. They weren't even invited. They just signed up, wanted to be with the fans, wanted to support the community. They came out. And when we were interviewing, I told them about the growl, and I was like, that's something the Panthers do. That's how people know me. That's how, well, I was talking not <laughs> about me, joking. Ben. I was talking about the fans after a first down. They all don't growl, but we all yell first down, then I throw on the growl. But I, was, I said, you're no longer a Ravens. I don't care about your ha. I care about the growl, and I made him do it. It was awful. It was an awful growl. I to, I've, I've always seen told it. him. It was not good. I always told him that we need to work on it. He needs to perfect it. And so I posted that video whenever uh, Bradley Bozeman re-signed. Uh, Nikki, his wife, uh, responded saying that he's been practicing. Bradley Bozeman responded saying that he has improved. And so now I am just waiting for a chance you know, to test that knowledge. Yeah, we're going to have to get... Get them on the show. I know. Maybe, I, I've, maybe invited, I've invited them. They left me on red. But, uh, <laughs> but I told Bradley the moment he did it, I was like, hey, next time I see you, we're going to work on this. We're going to practice it. But no, he was the anchor of this offensive line. Austin Corbett restructuring his uh, contract. We still have, you know, Icky as the left tackle. The best offensive line that the Panthers have had in, prob- in, since, in, in a decade, I'll say. I'm happy that they're coming back. Uh, they're staying strong. Another big signing, me and you were at a dinner with a client, and mm-hmm. I wasn't. we weren't on our phones at all, and I remember I got back and I pulled it up, and I was like, what? The Panthers signed former Eagles running back Miles Sanders. Which is a great acquisition. Great acquisition. Uh, Four-year, $25 million. Um, but Miles Sanders was obviously a big piece of that Eagles offense last year, rushed for over 1,200 yards. I, don't know, I think that's top five in, a, yeah. in rushing last season. Um, you know, as a rookie, he caught like 50 passes for over 500 yards, so he's dual threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going to be very good addition to that backfield. And now you're going to have a lot of depth at that position, teaming up with Chuba and uh, but also potentially Deontay Foreman if you keep him. So, uh-huh. so yeah, that's what I was going to get to. Just recently, Deontay Foreman got uh, was uh, he's now on the Chicago Bears oh. with PJ Walker and DJ Moore. So now they're the Chicago Panthers. Oh, uh, oh wow! One, one year deal I with Foreman, uh, but no, I'm still adding that depth chart or to that depth of the running back group though because Blackshear started coming out. Like, he was True. a name that not many Panther fans knew. But I mean, he had a couple uh, touchdowns. He did great whenever uh, McCaffrey left. You know, Deontay Foreman, there was that one game where Foreman was sidelined for most of the half, so Chuba and both Blackshear were getting a bunch of reps, and they were doing well. Uh, one thing that, you know, makes me very happy with Miles Sanders is he's averaging over, or not over, but he's averaging five yards per carry throughout Which his whole career. Which is huge. Yeah, you'll take I'm, that all day, every day. I'm no math magician. But that two runs is the first down. And and how many times did we see last season the Panthers struggling to get significant yards on first down, and it just just stalled their offensive drives a lot of the time. So that's going to be huge. And uh, Miles Sanders is now reunited with his former running backs coach, uh, Deuce Staley, mm-hmm. uh, which I really like. Um, but no, Miles Sanders, that was a crazy signing to me because uh, I said it on the show last week. I was like, what are the Panthers going to do with Deontay Foreman? I would have loved I would have loved to see Foreman back. I would have loved to see Sanders and Foreman do a little bit running back by committee because, as you see, that's kind of uh, being more popularized in mm-hmm. the NFL today among teams. 
But that Miles Sanders signing is very unexpected for me. I was not expecting that at all. That's what the definition of unexpected is. And uh, I, I'm very happy about it. I, I, I made jokes with my brother, though, and I, I, I said this earlier on today's show, was I care about the real games more than fantasy. Uh, and Miles Sanders, there's just a joke because if there's one person on my blacklist in fantasy, it's Miles Sanders. Because <laughs> two years in a row, I needed him to score eight points or more to advance. Very the, doable. To adva- as a running back, to advance in the fantasy playoffs in both of those years. He did not, so I was knocked uh, out. And then this past season, brutal. we talked about my four-man league to where you. So keep in mind, we have four teams. The waivers are stacked, and I went to the waivers for the championship game for one of the two weeks of the championship, and I picked up Miles Sanders right after he dropped thirty-four points. He got me. He got me two. It was two point six. It was wow. one of the games where the Eagles just got shut out and they just had uh. no run game. They got they were playing from behind. And so, and I have a personal rule not to pick players from my favorite teams for my fantasy teams because that's just a double hurt, hurt while watching the game. Mm-hmm. So now, now I can avoid that. And now Miles you can Sanders, get DJ Moore. And now, I, now I can get <laughs> DJ Moore, which I'm very excited about. Um, but that Miles Sanders signing in the backfield just tremendous. Shy Tuttle from the Saints. Uh, he is uh, the new defensive tackle for the Carolina Panthers. He will be alongside Derek Brown. I'm still interested to see what the Panthers are going to do with uh, Brian Burns. But so far. You know, with trading for the number one pick, they gave away a haul. And the haul was really capped off by that, by DJ Moore being included in that. But then after that, yeah, you lost CMC, you lost DJ Moore, you lost Foreman, but you get back Miles Sanders, you get back your best offensive lineman, you have the number one pick, you still have pick number 39 in the draft, you get a proven safety in the league with Von Bell, you get a proven defensive tackle with Shy Tuttle, you get a proven veteran quarterback to help out your new franchise guy and Andy Dalton in the locker room. And then on top of that, it's that coaching staff we've been talking about for weeks. Mm-hmm. This has been, in my opinion, a very successful offseason for the Carolina Panthers, knock on wood. Now I'm just interested to see what they are doing with the number one pick because reports are still coming out that they're interested in trading back. I think that is strictly targeted at Houston. It, yeah, it's got to be a smoke screen. Right? It, it has to be a smoke screen. I think that is strictly targeted at Houston because everybody knows that Houston loves Bryce Young. Especially, too, having you noticed the Panthers, like this isn't the first time in my opinion because the Panthers have reportedly been interested in every single like free agent that's yeah. come out onto the market, like Lamar, yeah, no. uh, Carr, and, and, uh, everybody, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. No, actually, I don't think they were interested in Aaron Rodgers, but basically like everybody, mm-hmm. so it seems like they're just throwing not a lot of smoke I think screens. they are, and that's something that Fitterer said. You know, he said at a combine, he said after the season, he said he's like the Panthers are in on every deal. They're he's going playing to, Stratego. They're, they're going to do their <laughs> Stratego. They're going to do their due diligence everywhere, which is one thing I like about Fitterer, Scotty Fit. Um, and I think one reason why they're doing this too is to drive up the bargaining chip, mm-hmm. or you know, to get other teams to send into a panic. Because I talked, we talked about Derek Carr. We talked about would you rather have Carr or Rogers? Uh, you know, with their individual circumstances. I said Carr on a cheap contract, I wouldn't be mad with. But then when you see what he signed with the Saints and the Saints are committing the car the Bucks have signed they were going to commit to Kyle Trask now they signed Taylor Heineke and then the Falcons or no, the Falcons have Heineke excuse me the the Bucks got Baker Mayfield the Bucks got Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask so mm-hmm. yeah thank you for clearing that up and so I mean this division is up this is time and we've talked about there's just there's there, I don't think there's a way the Panthers are going to do exactly what is needed at their draft pick and I think if they do trade back it's only going to be with Houston yeah, I agree. Because I, I don't see them. And as long as you get Stroud, it's a win. Just don't get Richardson. Just don't get Richardson. No offense. I mean, even no if you offense. get Young. And, it's too risky. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Richardson at pick nine wouldn't be bad at. No. But if you're trading, if you trade away that much, 
Like, I mean, it's Young or Stroud, either it way. It has to be. And I prefer Stroud. But I'm not going to be mad either way. Yeah, agreed. But it's starting to feel with all these recent moves. I mean, you said it, I think, in the elevator riding up in my apartment building. Like, at this point, because we said a couple weeks ago, if they don't make the playoffs, it'll feel like a failure mm-hmm. in, like, two years. But now, you said, if they don't make it this year, it feels like a failure. It will feel like a failure. Especially with the with the division and the state it is. It is. So, obviously, Tampa, though. I mean, if Baker... I mean, he had a big win with the Rams, that big comeback win. If he put, if he has a good year with Tampa, they got a lot of weapons, so you can't count them out. But it's it's looking like the Panthers are the front runners. Hey, we'll see what happens. Continue to listen to the Uptown Sports Crowd every Sunday and hear our thoughts on what the Panthers do as they progress through the offseason. We appreciate you listening. That'll do it for us here on this Sunday. We are on air, Fox Sports Radio Charlotte, 9 to 10 a.m., 94.7 FM. We will see you next week.